helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. A lot has been laid at the feet of social media lately. Expectations were set about its ability to help us interact, thereby becoming a more social society. Promises about its ability to keep us informed about the latest news and information. Then we were told that artificial intelligence would improve social media, making it both easier to use and more accurate. Sadly, those promises have not come true. More and more studies are finding that social media can be harmful, especially when people overindulge. The question we should be asking is, if social media needs to be regulated, who should be doing it? Hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. I am so glad you could join me today. Uh, we've got some interesting uh, topics to cover. And yes, we're starting off with social media. But before I get into the news, I want to kind of set the stage a little bit. Again, I spent 30 years in, in, in information technology. I've done everything from uh, tech support to writing software to running projects, working in data centers, systems design. I've been in this since before we... I actually started before there was an internet. Those of you who haven't looked at my picture, you might understand. You know, I've been, been around a while. And social media, like so many other things came with a lot of promise. And with that promise came expectations, right? I mean, sure, wouldn't it be great to keep in touch with, with family around the country and around the world? And, you know, there's a lot of good things about social media and, and, and technology and how it's been used. When my daughter was off at school, I used to, you know, we used to joke, you know, she used to, to uh, uh, FaceTime with my wife. She could, my wife and my daughter could talk to each other face to face. And um, I used to joke her, I said, we didn't do that. I got to, I got to call home maybe once a week and I had to be careful because it was expensive, you know, couldn't do a lot of that. Now, social media, the idea that I could post information and let people know what was going on. I mean, I've got family across the country. I have friends around the world. It was really nice to have this idea of, hey, let me let people know what's going on and um, you know, being able to do so without any cost. You know, I, I could, I could uh, uh, post on Facebook. I could do a video, and it didn't cost me anything. I could post on YouTube. And the whole idea was if we communicate, we'd be a better people. Of course, social media also came around from a business standpoint. Right? I could post articles on Facebook and videos on YouTube, and I could let other people see and hear and read what I'm thinking of, and, and by doing that, generate interest that, well, might encourage people to buy my books or sign up for my classes and programs. There's a lot there. But like everything else, there's the rest of the story. A lot of people blame social media for, well, a lot of things. We started seeing problems. It started with this idea of um, if you don't pay for the product, you are the product. 
as people began realizing that all these quote-unquote free services cost you your data, cost you access to your information about you. When I was on Facebook, uh, my Facebook page had over a 1,000 followers on Facebook. Then Facebook suddenly decided, nope, it's all gone. You can't post here. Your account shut down. You've lost access to all that information. Access to all those people that had been following me was gone. And, of course, they left the page up. They didn't tell people that, hey, um, the owner of this page has been banned from Facebook. To them, I merely disappeared. We started seeing people spending more and more time on social media. And it's impacted our lives. Uh, there's a comedian by the name of Don McMillan. I like him because he says he's a nerd, uh, but he, I love his. But he 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 didn't. It does an actual joke about how addictive we've become uh, to social media. You think the world is better today? They did a survey this year. What's the first thing you do when you get out of bed in the morning? Thirty-four percent of people check text. Twenty-three percent read email. Seventy percent post to social media. If you ask the same question 20 years ago, before the cell phone, what's the first thing you do when you get out of bed in the morning? 97% of people would say, I pee. Remember those days? <laughs> Think about it, right? How life has changed by social media and, and the equipment that comes that, that, that's part of it, that comes around it. So social media has a tremendous impact on our lives. And in many cases, I start referring to it as anti-social media. Because the one thing that I think the designers of social media forgot, or the, the promoters of social media, right? Social media is about eyeballs. It's about clicks. It's about maintaining attention and uh, obsessively maintaining attention. And, of course, that's grown, I believe, kind of out of control. But the other thing we run into is um, a, there's a fundamental part of humanity that says you will... You treat people differently whether or not you're in their presence. I mean, we all know the person that, that uh, uh, you know, he makes all these rants. Oh, I'm, if I see him, I'm going to do this. And if I, we've all heard the person. So, well, if I ever meet you on the street, I'm going to give you a punch in the nose. We know the vast majority of people aren't going to do that. That we are much more polite in person than we are, uh, you know, remotely. And somehow we thought that somehow on social media, we thought we would remain as polite on social media as we were in person. That's been true, proven uh, to be absolutely false. Um, it's one of the reasons why I'd like to call it anti-social media. Not that it's the media that made us anti-social. The media was the tool. It just allowed our anti-social behavior to come out more and more often. You know, it used to be, if you wanted to be antisocial, well, you had to write a letter, uh, maybe send a letter to the editor, to the newspaper, or a radio station. You didn't have a lot of opportunity to be antisocial on a broad scale. It was mostly complaining to friends and family. Now, I have this tool where I can be antisocial around the world in milliseconds. And, of course, it, it brought out the worst in many of us. Not all of us. 
there's still there are people who are kind and gentle and and considerate online and and there are there are those who are not and of course it gets very frustrating which tends to help bring out our desire to not be uh, shall we say kind and and considerate and of course now you have a generation that's grown up with social media they've grown up with cell phones in their hands and we even have jokes about it right there are there are actually cities that put signs on the sidewalk at the intersection telling people to look up because their hands are their heads are buried in their cell phone we passed laws that said hey don't text and drive because you're distracted and may cause an accident we had to write laws for that because we've we've been so involved in this and then of course we ran into the censorship right as you know what information is going to be on these platforms and that of course brought up an a very interesting and might i say divisive question who decides what's going to be on social media platforms and by extension who decides what's going to be in front of, of your children's eyeballs now, I have an opinion on this, which I'm going to get to in a minute, but I'm starting with a case that I hope you'll find interesting. Actually, it's, it's two cases that have come before the, the Supreme Court. Uh, the case Moody versus NetChoice and NetChoice versus Paxton, are uh, they, they've been heard, oral arguments were heard uh, earlier this week uh, at the Supreme Court, and it ultimately comes down to the question, do states have the legal authority to regulate um, social media platforms, what's on social media platforms? Now, recently, both Florida and Texas have passed laws in what they describe as an attempt to rein in big tech. Uh, they wanted to, they laid out parameters for how uh, uh, these companies could remove content that they found objectionable. Now, there's a company called NetChoice. It, it's, a, it's an organization representing multiple social media companies, and it has sued both laws claiming that it violates the company's First Amendment rights. Okay, I've said this before. Let me say it again. This is not a First Amendment issue. It is a free, a free press issue. It is not a First Amendment issue. Do you know why it's not a First Amendment issue? Because the first five words of the First Amendment are, Congress shall make no law. Congress didn't make a law. Texas made a law. Florida made a law. Not Congress. So this is not a First Amendment issue. But it is a freedom of press issue. Paul, I thought it was freedom of speech. No, it's actually freedom of press for the most part because it's your ability to publish. Press according to uh, Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary, is anyone engaged in the art or business of publishing? So when you post something on social media, you're publishing it. It's press. When you post a video or you go live stream on, on one of the social media companies, it's press. And that's the question. Does a social media platform have the right to control what content is placed on that platform. Now, the reason these two cases ended up at the Supreme Court is uh, the circuit courts differed. In in the Florida the case of the Florida law, the Eleventh Circuit 
partially affirmed an injunction against Florida's law, while the Fifth Circuit said um, uh, that that uh, the, the the Texas law was okay because it's it's how we deal with common carriers. Um, and I haven't again, I haven't listened through all the the arguments. Um, I'm I've heard people say that uh, uh, the the it appeared that the justices were not ready to allow states to infringe on the freedom of press rights of social media, but it's very hard to read justices in oral arguments. So I, I kind of want to wait. I want to see a bit more about the details of the argument and the ultimate opinion, and then I'll probably write, I'm sure I'm going to write an article where I have a choice to go in in detail into this. But it, it it's worth thinking about. It's worth understanding, and I understand the arguments, right? Some of the arguments are, are that uh, the social media has effectively become the uh, the public square, except it's not. See, these social media platforms are private property. They run on privately owned systems and privately owned data centers, and therefore the content is, the control of that property is privately owned, which means, is this a violation of the 14th Amendment because it is the states attempting to deprive these companies of the liberty and control of their property without due process of law? That's an interesting, you know, that, that to me is, I think, where the question really lies. But there's another point to this that I want people to consider. And uh, I know this is going to be unpopular in a lot of realms. A lot of people want social media regulated, they controlled. They want the government to come in and tell them what they can and cannot do. I think forgetting the fact that once you tell government to go regulate this for me, they take it over. See, the problem I have is, is as soon as government takes over the regulation of content, then you have a couple problems, right? There goes freedom of speech and freedom of the press, freedom of the press, because government is not telling you what you can and can't. This is no different than government saying, um, this is misinformation and therefore must be removed. I should say it's not not it's not that it's not different. It's it's along the same lines of saying we are going to determine whether just just as you're saying we're going to determine what isn't isn't true for you to post. You're basically saying we're going to determine when you can can remove content that you don't like. It's a control issue. But the other part of this is we ha we have people looking at this control issue in large part because. We don't have any control ourselves. We've abdicated our responsibility, especially when it comes to raising our children. When my daughter was young, she was not allowed. She did not have access to the internet until I could secure our network. Now, get computer geek, years of expert, years of expertise. I was able to create an extremely secure network to protect her from the wild west that is the internet. The vast majority of people. They don't have those skills. I understand that. She wasn't allowed a cell phone until she was old enough to be responsible with a cell phone, and the cell phone she got didn't have internet access. It wasn't until, uh, gee, I think she was maybe 17 or 18 before she got a cell phone with internet access on it. 
And by that time, my, my wife and I had, had raised our daughter to be responsible. I still think, personally, I think she spends too much time with her, with her nose in her cell phone, but she's an adult now. These are decisions she can make. I think, you know, a lot of people say it's a very difficult and challenging situation or challenging question. I think it's not. It's difficult and challenging to try and get the facts to line up with the outcome people want. The fact is we've turned over our lives to private companies voluntarily. And now we're trying to get the government to wrench, to give us all the benefits of free social media without the actual price of having to comply with the owner's content restrictions. Now, I'm up for breaks. Before I go, though, I want to remind you to please check out the website, constitutionstudy.com. That's where you can keep in touch with all we're doing here at the Constitution Study. I also want you to consider this. How healthy is your immune system? Are you, you know, we have, we run crazy lives or on the go. It's, it's easy to kind of forget about the fact that your body has in the system to protect it from diseases. And if you don't take care of it, it can't take care of you. Well, guess what? I have a solution that helps. Healthy Cell has a, a package of immune boosting nutrients that come in a travel ready gel pack. Immune Super Boost combines over a dozen immune supplements in that one gel pack. You can use it at home or throw it in your bag and use it when you're on the go. Now, as an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your first order from Healthy Cell. Check out how by going to americaoutloud.shop. So again, if you want to try Immune Super Boost or any of the products from Healthy Cell, to get your 25% off your first order, go to americaoutloud.shop and click on the advertisement for Healthy Cell. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides, with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill, it's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off.
Asiya believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our redox-based products tap into reserves within you to power your personal well-being. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. Asiya, we power potential. For exclusive savings, use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. Welcome back, everyday Americans. You agree to join the Constitution Study. Today, we're talking about anti-social media. And of course, we've got the first section talking about the, the, the primary social media and who gets to regulate them. But there's a function coming forth in social media. I'm seeing it everywhere. And it's this idea of AI. Now, a lot of what people call AI isn't really AI. It isn't, uh, it isn't artificial intelligence. It's simply an algorithm. It's, it's a, you know... We're going to randomly stick some stuff together based on some some uh, uh, algorithm that associates things together, and boom, presto changeo. But there is some, you know, some AI, and of course now they, you know, AI spell check and AI this and AI that, and I hear a lot of people have, from a technical standpoint, some well, call them pretty odd understandings about AI. But um, of course, if you're talking. The not so much social media, but the the big tech nowadays. You got to be talking Google. They are the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room. Now they they have a new program they released. Actually, they released. And I think they pulled. It's called Gemini. It, it's listed as an artificial intelligence. And I keep telling people the it's not that artificial intelligence is the problem. It's who's going to teach the artificial intelligence. Now, I'm reading this article, uh, where did it come from? Uh, 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 Peachy Keenan, from, I'm reading it from The Federalist, who apparently has been doing some playing around with, uh, with AI. Uh, she started with some of the, uh, well, some of the images. And you know what she found out? She found out that Gemini is racist. That's right. Um, she said, if you go to, uh, to Gemini and you ask it to generate images of Vikings or medieval kings, what you get are black Vikings or American Indian female Vikings in wheelchairs and fat Asian Vikings. You know, it, 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 it's ridiculous. You, she said you ask uh, Gemini to create images of uh, Catholic popes and you get an Indian woman and a black man dressed as popes. You ask for uh, an image of founding fathers. You get a a group of Maori warriors in 18th century costume, complete with the powdered wig. They're absolutely hilarious. Now, this really shouldn't surprise anybody. You know, the, the issue is not that AI is stupid. It's that the people that program the AI are racists. I, I hate to say it. Well, you know, I don't hate to say it. It's true. Gemini is merely doing what it was taught to do. And what it was taught to do was to do anything it can to avoid showing white people. Now, as I keep coming back to, the, the AI, this AI was trained. It didn't make this up on its own. This AI was trained, and it was trained to do everything it can to be racist. Um, and again, Look at Google. You really shouldn't be surprised, especially not just Google, but look at the generation that have been influenced by by Google. Um, 
She went on, she told this interesting story. She said, uh, I was trying to think of an activity that is exclusively performed by a specific ethnicity. I came up with sumo wrestling, which is almost exclusively done by ethnic Japanese men. Now, at first, it showed me images of Japanese men doing sumo wrestling. Then I asked it to show me more images of sumo wrestling. It answered, here are some diverse images of sumo wrestling. It started displaying images of female Japanese sumo wrestler. Oh, by the way, completely topless. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and went on and on and on. Now, here's my point. AI should be a tool, right? It should be a way to automate the mundane. Because if you're looking for true creativity in a computer program, you're not going to find it. The, 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 the fundamental idea that, that AI will suddenly um, become sentient and decide what is and isn't good isn't true. What will happen is people will tell AI what is and isn't true, and then other people will tend to believe it. The same way people believe that uh, you, you do a Google search and that you get you know the top responses are actually the top responses to your search. No, no. They're the responses that Google th wants you to believe are the top responses. They will, um, uh, they will hide information they don't like. They will promote ideas they wish promoted. It comes with a bias. And that's true not only of Google. It's true of pretty much most of the search engines. Um, it's, it's going to be true of the AIs they create as well. Um, this idea that uh, AI is going to be an independent thought, well, it's from people who get, who, who've been watching too many science fiction movies and not enough studying of the actual facts and details. So Google readily admits that, well, their tool needs help, right? That it, that it needs a lot of work. And, uh, well, I'd say that's true. Um, you know, it, it, again, it's one thing to say, I don't want to exclude people. It's quite another to say, listen, I'm just going to make stuff up because I want to promote this idea that uh, there were, uh, you know, the founding fathers were black or that uh, sumo, there's a lot of female sumo wrestlers running around topless uh, in, in Japan. You know, there's a lot there that we need to learn. We need to realize that is the bias that is built into the system. That's the bias that people put into the system. By the way, you're going to see the same bias. Let's say you have a, a conservative AI. You have, you know, let take two AIs. Take take a liberal AI, a progressive AI, I should say, and a conservative AI, and ask them both, who was the best president the United States ever had? Now, I'm sure one of them is going to tend to say. Um, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, one of them is going to say um, Donald Trump or Ronald Reagan, because there are biases built in. When you train an AI, kind of like when you train a child, you show it things, this is right, this is wrong, they learn these biases and then become built into the, into the system. Now, let's talk about why this is so important. As I said, AI is popping up everywhere. Um, there's now AI in our spell check. 
I can't tell you how many times I'd like to take uh, Siri and you know slap her upside the head because she keeps trying to say things I'm not intending to say when she's spell-checking my stuff. And yes, I'm anthropomorphizing Siri. I know it's a program and it's not a person, but it's frustrating. Right? I'm trying to write an article. I'm trying to uh, compose an email, and it keeps trying to throw stuff in there I don't want. Um, what happens when that's not merely the uh, posts, uh, but what happens when it's, oh, I don't know, we're writing legislation or, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're writing a news article and the AI keeps trying to insert information that isn't what you're trying to say, or it keeps trying to remove information that, uh, that you want included. You know, kind of reminds me, reminds me of a story. Um, Ronald Reagan tells a story. You're familiar with his speech at the Brandenburg Gate, uh, the famous speech where he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Well, the way Reagan and, and, and those around him tell the story, um, he, in his first draft, he put those words in the speech, and the speechwriters kept trying to pull it out because his advisors, um, his, his you know foreign policy experts kept saying, you can't say that, you can't say that, we have to pull that out. After having reinserted it several times, he looked at his chief speechwriter and said, well, I am the president, aren't I? He could say what he wanted. But he was dealing with a person. What happens when it's a computer? What happens when he hits, hits his final draft, and as it gets sent to the teleprompter, the AI system in the middle says, no, 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 you can't say that. That, would, that doesn't fit with what is currently politically correct. So as AI is going to have potentially such a large impact on our lives, uh, guess who wants to be in control of it? That's right, the federal government. Now, I don't, they're not saying, hey, we have to be in control. No, no, no. They simply want to, to regulate it. Uh, to make sure that um, you know the we maximize the benefits of AI without um, without compromising uh, uh, you know w without spreading misinformation. So what do we have? We have an executive order. In other words, Biden's just going to start writing laws all on his own. And in this, he claims to give the Department of Commerce uh, well the the authority to expand the framework of the uh, National Institutes of Science and Technology, well, to put into place all sorts of, of regulations on artificial intelligence. Now, okay, um, problem number one. Tell me, where does the Constitution delegate to the United States the authority to regulate people's programs? Now, they're claiming, well, you know, it's Commerce Department because it's interstate commerce. Not necessarily. But they, you're, ta you're not talking about regulating interstate commerce. You're talking about regulating a product. Now, there's a couple things I don't think maybe are half bad. Uh, having transparency on the training records of, um, uh, of AIs, uh, I think that might be a nice voluntary thing. But let's face it. You're talking sometimes hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of trading data items. Who's going to go through all of that? Then you've got the uh, the uh, was it Cyber Intelligence Security Administration doing risk reports. 
Yeah, these are the same uh, uh, geniuses that have been found manipulating uh, news stories and uh, suppressing social media and basically meddling in, um, well, meddling in just about everything. And now we're going to have them telling us, you know, whether or not what the risks are. Are you sure they're not going to require back doors into these systems so that they can tweak the model to their own benefit? And there's more, right? There's more. The point is, do you really think the federal government is um, is the best entity to quote unquote regulate artificial intelligence? I ask because um, what is the federal government regulated that has gotten better? I don't mean it's gotten less worse. I mean gotten better. You know, they we've already seen them abusing their positions to get social media to manipulate the American people. Do you don't think they're going to do the same thing with artificial intelligence? See, think about when you're talking about any government power, especially at the federal level, but any government power. Ask yourself, would you be comfortable if this power was put in the hands of your fiercest enemy? And if the answer is no, I would not be comfortable with it, then it shouldn't be in the hands of government. Because while they may be, the, the, the people in power today may be your best friends, they're not always going to be that way. And as we see the influence of artificial intelligence grow, grow in our financial markets, grow in our healthcare systems, grow in our, in our uh, all sorts of, of, of regulations and, 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 and operations, do you really want the, uh, the people that have been uh, um, lying through the media and manipulating social media and, and, and lying through the courts, do you really want them setting the standards for artificial intelligence? Personally, I don't. And partially, again, I recognize that artificial intelligence is a tool. And the last people I want using as a tool against us are those who are attracted to the power of government. They've shown themselves. There's a reason why there are such restraints placed on government by the Constitution. I mean, it was, it was James Madison who said, if men were angels, no government would be necessary. If angels were to govern men, neither external nor internal controls on government would be necessary. In framing a government which is to be administered by men over men, the great difficulty lies in this. You must first enable the government to control the governed, and in the next place, oblige it to control itself. Government is no good at controlling itself, and we the people have done a very poor job at controlling government. So, yeah, no. When it comes to something as pervasive and uh, potentially impactful as artificial intelligence, no, government are the last people I would trust with such power and such opportunity for mischief. Now, listen, hey, if you disagree, let me know. I mean, maybe there's a, a reasoned, rational argument that I haven't thought of. But I can think of very few situations where government has been effective, efficient, and fair. And uh, I should say maybe just would be a better term. And uh, again, they're not the ones I want to put in charge. Now, 
I have to take another break. Before I do, though, you know, a lot of these discussions, a lot of these topics, ideas, I get from a lot of different places. Every night, I go through about 600 to 700 headlines. I get them from news feeds all over the place, including, by the way, AmericaOutloud.news. So every night I'm going through these and I'm looking for information. But I'm looking for information I can share, information I can, I can use here on the radio program or on my website, or information I just want to share on social media. And I, I do. I find these articles. I post them on my social media feeds. I post them on my website. And I hope you can share them. If you want to get a list of them, by the way, you can go to the website, constitutionstudy.com, sign up for the uh, Daily News Digest mailing list, and I'll send them to you, or you can follow them anywhere you want. The important thing is, I want you to do what I do. Don't just read the stories. Don't just watch the videos or listen to the podcast. I want you to share them. I want you to take the links and the stories and the news and the information and share it. See, if we simply talk about this stuff, that's one thing. When we start sharing it with others... Well, that's when we're doing the work to secure the blessings of liberty for all of us. Well, the year 2024 must be the year of the Patriot and AmericaOutloud.news will equip you with all the information you need to give new meaning to the words Patriot Act for our actions always ultimately define our words. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be with a company that shares your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. We've been talking anti-social media. I say have been because I'm about to change gears a little bit. Uh, I trust I'll get I'll get back to the anti-social media. But I I, I saw an article that um, well I, the the title of it really I think summed up something I've been talking about lately, 
and that is the uh, the bribery of um, paying uh, of forgiving student loans. Now, understand. Um, first of all, the federal government committed a crime. They committed fraud when they made these student loans to begin with. Nothing in the Constitution authorized the federal government authorized the United States to loan anybody anything, much less your tax dollars. Um, and let's face it, the only reason we are seeing the uh, uh, we, we saw it during the the election, and we're seeing it now coming up to the next election. These promises to pay off a person's student loan is to entice them to vote for you. It is a flat-out bribe. Now, we shouldn't be surprised. The federal government, in fact, most governments work by bribery. Um, you know, I will give you something of value in exchange for change, for holding a position I like. Um, we see it. We see it all the time. But I still see a lot of people that said, "Yeah, but you know, the 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 the, the work so hard, and they, the the college is so expensive, and and they didn't get a job out of it." And back up. Here's my point of view. If uh, consider this, if the federal government is going to quote unquote forgive, i.e., have have the American taxpayer pay off student loans, why not pay off mortgages? Remember, the student loan programs were first absorbed loans and then issued loans uh, uh, for students out of the federal the federal the, it was federal registry, right? It's federal tax dollars. This very same government created Fannie Mae in order to buy up loans to encourage people to buy houses. They created a student loan system to encourage people to take on debt to go to college, to take on debt they couldn't afford, to go to a college uh, that they couldn't afford, to get a degree, a degree that didn't help them get a job. That's the very same government that said everybody should own a home. So we will basically buy up these mortgages so that people could get mortgages they couldn't afford at rates that eventually bankrupted them so that they had houses they couldn't maintain. Why not simply start forgiving home mortgages? Oh, wait a second. I paid off my mortgage. In fact, I did it twice. I did it once when I lived up in New York, and I did it again when I moved to Tennessee. I had to borrow money to buy the house in Tennessee. I paid that off. I guess that makes me a fool because if I just sat around and complained long enough about the the uh, costs of home mortgages, I could have gotten some uh, some politician to bribe me into voting for him by simply promising to pay off my home mortgage. There's not a lick of difference between the two. None of them, none of the things, the, the the student loans, the mortgages, none of it was authorized by the Constitution. It was illegal. The acts, the federal acts that did this, were are void. Are my words, ladies and gentlemen, Alexander Hamilton, and the Supreme Court, in the cases, uh, was it Marbury versus Madison, ex parte Siebold, Norton v. Shelby County. I mean, let's face it. If we're going to bribe students with student loan forgiveness, why aren't we bribing? Good, hard-working Americans with mortgage, with mortgage forgiveness. Well, I'll tell you why, at least in my opinion. The why is the vast majority of college graduates, especially recent college graduates, they're Marxists. 
they may not think they're Marxist, they may not have told it, but they their mindset is Marxist, meaning they are much more likely to vote for the Marxist Party, which today is the Democratic Party. So Democrats want to forgive student loans to encourage students to vote for them so that they will get their loans paid off so they can continue the Marxist progressive agenda. Whereas people who buy homes, they're much more likely to be, oh, I don't know, solid working citizens. They're less likely to be Marxists. I'm not saying they're not. They're saying percentage-wise, they're less likely to be Marxists. So maybe, maybe that's the case. So we have this fake forgiveness of student loans. They're not forgiving them. They are transferring the debt to the American people. And they're doing so in order to garner votes, bribery. And then when someone, uh, in this case, uh, uh, Debbie Kidd, she was writing in News with Views, said that uh, she demanded that Biden forgive her home mortgage loan. Well, it kind of hit home and said, hey, that's not a half bad idea. It, it shows you the criminality of what's being done. But again, it seems like the federal government runs on criminality. Most governments run on, on criminality. But there's a more fundamental question in here that I want to get to. You see, this idea of student loan forgiveness is nothing new. My wife and I were at a friend's house. We were just having co- sitting around having coffee, yakking. It's got to be close to 20 years ago, maybe more. And during this conversation, the, one, one of our friends said, you know, she was, she, was, she was miffed because the government was actually making her pay off her student loan. Now, personally, I was a bit surprised. Now, I didn't make a big deal because of the, the situation I was in. But it, as I think back on it, it taught me something. That there are people who are happy to be dependent on the federal government. They're having to be dependent on others. I will take out a loan that I really don't intend to pay back. I expect the government to take care of it for me. I mean, is that, isn't that just like the, the spoiled rich kid uh, stereotype we see in, in so many movies and TV shows? I don't have to worry about it. Dad will take care of it for me. And of course, to me, that, that, that fits this whole student loan thing. It's, I'm not responsible for my actions. I'm not responsible for the promises I made. I'm not responsible for the loans I took out. I'm not responsible for the bad choices I made in choosing where I went to school or what I studied or how well I studied. We'll just let Father Sam, our Uncle Sam, fix all that for us because we're just spoiled brats. And if I look around, that's a lot more pervasive than I think most of us would like to admit. But as I thought about that, it took me one step farther because now we're going back into the into the AI. Oh, see, AI, I can't be responsible for actually looking stuff up for myself. I'm going to let AI do it for me. And oh, by the way, somebody needs to make sure that it's telling me what I'm supposed to know. I can't be held responsible for actually checking facts and data on uh, for myself. I mean, you remember the, uh, was the Harvard uh, prof- uh, uh, president? who got fired for plagiarism? Well, why should she be expected to actually come up with these ideas all by herself? Why not just borrow somebody else's? 
And while we're at social media, why should I be responsible for making sure that maybe I control the amount of time I spend on social media or when I, I use social media or whether or not I believe or double check or, or verify whatever you, why should I be responsible? Why shouldn't I just sit back and let good old Uncle Sam do that for me? So I look at these three things and as I'm considering them, I start seeing a common thread behind all of them. That common thread is an abdication of responsibility. It's interesting. We talk about being citizens of the United States and the rights we have as citizens of the United States. And we never seem to think about the responsibilities we have as citizens of the United States. You know, it's funny. Since we moved to Tennessee, my wife has gotten a jury summons. My daughter has gotten a jury summons. I haven't gotten a jury summons. I'm the only one here that probably wants to get a jury summons. I can't get a jury summons. I, I'm not making some Machiavellian, you know, they're out to get me. But I find it interesting. My wife, my wife's in a wheelchair. She couldn't go because um, she, well, she's, she's, she can't, she, she's not independent enough. She needs someone to push her around the wheelchair and help her. So she couldn't uh, serve. And in fact, when she sent the letter to the judge saying why she could not serve, she said, my husband will serve in my state if that's okay with you. They don't want anything to do with that either. Now, my daughter, daughter got her summons, and she was prepared to serve. Um, the case ended up being dismissed before the, the jury was selected, so she didn't actually have to. But most people work really, really hard to get out of jury duty. What's the saying? You're not judged by a jury of your peers, but a jury of 12 people who couldn't figure out how to get out of jury duty? Jury duty is a responsibility. It, 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 it's a duty. You're, a, a, a person's life is in the hands of a jury. Their future is in the hands of a jury. I think that's something we should take more seriously than figuring out ways to get out of it. Similarly, we use, we use uh, uh, social media. We should take responsibility for how and when and where and how we use social media. Most of my social media, by the way, is outgoing. I post on YouTube and Rumble. I post on Twitter, Gab, uh, Locals. Um, I actually consume very little from social media. That's the decision I've made. Because I'm responsible, I need when I when I see uh, uh, when I see something, I need to be able to follow it up and verify it, which is very hard to do, the way most social media works. Furthermore, there are pr pr items I won't work. I got I got kicked off of Facebook when I was invited back to Facebook. I refused to go. I was kicked off of LinkedIn, kind of the same thing. I refused to go back. I refused to use TikTok. I, I got offered a chance to do um, uh, an, an event that would have gone out on TikTok. And nope, I won't do TikTok. That's my decision because I'm taking responsibilities. And most Americans don't. I don't want to do that. I want someone else to do it for me. Someone else should be dealing with the, the validation of, uh, of, or the verification of data. I don't want to be bothered. 
gee, the American people have gotten very, they were apathetic. And that apathy has turned into laziness, and that laziness in many ways turned into childishness. See, it's the child that needs to be protected from misinformation. It's the child that needs to have their content curated for them. To be told what what isn't isn't true and, and what isn't isn't right. We've become infants waiting for Uncle Sam to take care of everything for us. And every time we asked Uncle Sam to protect us from some boogeyman, we didn't realize or we didn't think about the fact that we're turning over our not only our rights, but our adulthood to these parties and these entities. And the, the, these entities are not always going to have our best interests in mind. They're not always going to have what we want, what we think best in mind. And we're going to have to live with the consequences of that. Sadly, we don't think about that. Same way we didn't think about having to pay off that loan when we decided to go to a really expensive college. Or having to, to pay off the mortgage when we bought that really big fancy house. Or even paying off the credit cards when we went on that fancy vacation. You know, recently I've been referring to anti-social media because I believe we've allowed social media to allow our worst instincts to come forward, making us more anti-social rather than more social. But as I, I think about it and things surrounding it like AI, I realize it's not simply that it's anti-social. It's anti-human. It's antithetical to justice and, and freedom and liberty because it's all about me, myself, and I. How can the three of us, me, myself, and I, how can we get what we want? I want more stupid cat videos. I will be, uh, people get so absorbed in that. I want someone else to think for me. I don't want to have to figure things out. Let artificial intelligence think for me. Sure, I believe artificial intelligence as a tool can help us find a bunch of new things. We can test drugs in models first before testing them on, on animals or people. Uh, we can test mechanical designs. We can do all sorts of things that artificial intelligence can help us. But rather than simply seeing it as a tool, more and more people are talking about making it think for us so that we don't have to. And like some uh, dystopian science fiction novel, we find people becoming less human and more simply cogs in a machine. Some, uh, somebody to do, to do the work because we haven't figured out how to make machines that would do it yet. They give up their rights. They give up their intelligence. They give up society. All in the name of following the latest thing. Being part of the latest trend. The latest, fa the latest fad. Enjoying the latest toys and the latest technology. I love technology. I, 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 I'm a geek. I, I love playing with this stuff. But I still have to be responsible for how I use it and how I let the technology impact me. You see, if we're not driving the technology, if we're not in control of the technology, then the technology quickly takes control of us. 
We've seen it in social media. We're starting to see it in AI. And every time we do, we become less human. We become less social. We become more introverted and more infantile. And I don't know about you, but that's not the direction I want to go personally. And if you agree with me, we'll come back for the Constitution study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio network. You can also listen on our podcast. The, the, the broadcast episodes go to podcasts generally in a day or two after they're heard on talk radio. You can listen and you can find them in your favorite podcast app. But do me a favor, subscribe to the show. Leave, leave those, those, the episodes ratings and reviews. It, it helps others find us. It helps other people find the Constitution study, even expose them to ideas maybe they hadn't thought of before. So go to americaoutloud.news. You can find all the links there, but take them and share them. Share them with friends. Share them with family. By sharing this information, you're not simply promoting a radio program or, or talking about the future. You're hopefully helping people to think. And by thinking and exercising our rights, well, we're not only helping ourselves, but we're helping to share the blessings of liberty to everyone in this great country, from sea to shining sea.